what's up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Aggressively podcast with yours truly, Sincere Hogan, Hogan, buddy Mike Marler. Hey, man, how you doing, Mr. Whirlwind International Traveler? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. After we talk to our guests, I'll fill you in on the trip, man. Got some funny stories, as always. Awesome, and man. Of course, he's racking great up stuff. those bonus miles, I see. Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Racking up a lot more than that, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> oh, this <laughs> is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, man, but uh, just so we get our we get our promos out of the way, because guess what, folks? This show doesn't cost – this show is not free. It's you not know, free. We, we, pay, we pay for the privilege of giving you guys great info. So <laughs> you could give us the privilege of supporting our products and services. And the That's way nice. to do that is use coupon code LLA to get 10% off any nutrition supplement I carry. And everyone knows I've got the best stuff around, so don't bother looking for anyone else's stuff. I've got the best testosterone booster. I've got the best inflammation control product, and I've got the best magnesium zinc MSM product. So there you go. Use 10% off. Get all three. Buy all three. Your order will go over $100, and you get free shipping as well. You can't beat that. And then Sincere's, you can still get Sincere's awesome DVD, 30% off, using the same coupon code, LLA. So it's time to do some shopping. Go hit Sincere's website, get his DVD, then head over to my website or just click on his affiliate program for my products, and that will send you right over and share the wealth a little bit. There you go. So there are your sites right there, newwarriortraining.com for myself, or go to mikemahler.com. Or if you want to show a brother some love, you can go to strengthbymahler.com. Therefore, you <laughs> both get the hookup. <laughs> hey, are you the one who runs that website, Why Mike Mahler is a Scam? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that, that's how you're getting all those affiliates. <laughs> hey, man, I was, trying to, I was trying to get my boost in Google with that. Come on, man. <laughs> Google AdSense trick that I've learned from all the marketing gurus. And then as for workshops coming up, guess what? None. Boom. <laughs> no workshops coming up at all. Boom. Done. Somebody sounds a little <laughs> invigorated from the UK trip right now. <laughs> I, had a, I had a great time teaching in the UK, great time teaching in Dublin, and, and now I'm going to have a great time not going anywhere because I've been all over the place, and we'll talk about that after we wrap up with our guests. And how about yourself? You got courses coming up? You got anything in the pipeline? Um, the the sign-up link will be up soon, but there will be a bonus workshop during the IKFF World Kettlebell Sport Championship coming up in a few weeks in Novi, Michigan. That'll be the weekend of November 15th. Um, the competition is going to be the, November the 16th and 17th, and Kim Blackburn, our buddy Kim Blackburn, and myself will be working together doing a workshop that Sunday evening. Uh, the details will be posted on the site by the end of this week or the beginning of next week for that. And other than that, oh, excuse me, a workshop coming up in January here, closer to their home in League City, which is where, right outside where NASA is located here in Texas, and that will be going down at League City CrossFit. More details for that at the end of the week. Or by the time you hear the show, all the details of that will be up on my website, newwarriortraining.com, and a couple other things in the pipe. But at this point, now that Mike's taking a time off doing workshops, I'll do a few, but they just have to make sense, and these are going to be some fun workshops. And the travel time is very minimal for me. So yeah. I like that as well because I'm a little weathered when it comes to these, these plane trips and hopping. Right now, I want to do the traveling as I go scope for my next place of residency, like Costa Rica. But <laughs> yeah. on top of that, Mike, we received um, some info this week from one of the guys that listened to our show that Costa Rica may not be the place to go in terms of expats right now. A little oversaturation, a couple of other things. So he's kind of piggybacking on some of the ins and outs that Nadine was speaking of. He left a blog yeah. for me. And he was saying there's, there's some other places that we probably should be looking at. So 
This is going to be very interesting. Well, I mean, I, I was talking to Mrs. Cleo, and she recommended Jamaica. So, you know, you're great. Awesome place. <laughs> of course, she lives in, she lives in Brooklyn. Exactly. That's another, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's definitely chit-chat about that, too. But also, we, we have an awesome guest this week. We have a really interesting topic. And this is actually one of our listeners. And when he hit, he hit us up with some of these things he wanted to discuss in our show, I mean, I, I think both of us got pretty excited about having him on. We scheduled him right away, and today we have Jason Furtick, who's a PhD, he's an assistant professor of management at the University of Southern Indiana College of Business. How you doing, Jason? Oh, I think I'm doing really well. I'm a you know big, as you mentioned, big fan of the show, and uh, I'm honored that you'd uh, have me on to discuss some cool topics. Yeah, man, pleasure. And we're going to talk a lot today about it, it. Really, it's a topic that everyone should be concerned with, whether you have kids or not. If you're a citizen in this country, it's is something that can be very depressing at times, and that is our education system. So we're going to get into that, and then you know, we'll get into some positives as well. We don't want to just be a doom-gloom show about all the problems with our current education system. But it's not even really just the education system. I think it's the mindset people have or the expectations. So let's, let's get into this, Jason. What are, what are, I mean, you're thick in the middle of all of this, so what are some of the things that really frustrate you about our current education system? Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's uh, it's expensive. Nobody learns anything. Um, we're still in there for <laughs> straight, straight so, you know, <laughs> other, other than that, it's a great system. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, in, in, a, in all seriousness, um, as I was thinking of how I wanted to present this, you know, you guys are fitness guys, and you know, I love working out. I was, used to be a personal trainer, you know, not as expensive as you guys. But I was trying to think of the best analogy that I could kind of throw out there for everyone to kind of understand what's going on with with education, and, and there's a bunch of ones that you can do. And this is one that I think will really hit home is, especially with the way you guys like to talk about training, I see this a lot. You go to a gym, and you see people, people, you know, they want to get in shape. They want to just be, you know, live their lives, be in good shape, carry their kids, walk around, go on vacation, all that good stuff. Yet you see them spending hours upon hours in the gym uh, doing all these bodybuilding routines that they've seen on muscle and fitness and downing beef protein isolate in their shaker jars and just spending way too much time do, you know, just doing stuff that's unnecessary and will actually make them worse off. And I think about that because our education system is the same way. If you think about what the average person needs to just to, to get themselves in, in really killer shape, you know, I think, Mike, you even said it in one of your books the best. Now, you take those, these core six exercises, like, you take your deadlifts, your presses, your, your rows, your pull-ups and such, and you, you go take that into the world, and you're going to be very strong. Well, you think, well, what's the, what's the course of, of education? You, know, you can write a sentence. You, you, know, you know some history. You know some math. Uh, you, know, you know some good books. You're able to think. You take that into the world, you, you're in great shape. But unfortunately, we're, we're so bloated now. Or people go to school uh, up until they're 21, 22 thinking that this is the way that they're going to, you know, bulk themselves up so that they're going to have a great life, a great career, and inevitably they wind up in debt because of student loans. Inevitably they, they don't learn anything. I think if anyone who turns on, you know, Jay Leno or any of the shows where the people walk around and ask them, you know, how many states are there and then people go 22, <laughs> you know, that's, a lot of that stuff is, is real. Uh, and yeah. so there's this there's just perfect storm. And there are many people who are saying that this is this is a bubble, just like we had housing, just like the right. stock market.com bubble, mm-hmm. that this is all a house of cards that could come down. So, uh, I, you know, it's, it's something where I'm, I'm going to let you guys jump in and ask some questions. But that's, 
that that's really where I, where I see it. It is very frustrating because it's just that there's a lot of things going wrong, but as, as Mike, as you mentioned, um, there's a lot of stuff that's on the horizon that is going right. It's interesting that you make the comparison that with fitness and this education system, because Mike and I were just talking, and I think on our last show, we just speak about how many people spend so much time ch- in the fitness industry chasing all these certifications and all these different certifications on the wall and, and degrees and saying that, hey, I got a CSES and this, and I have this certification, this certification. They're paper chasers, but yep. they end up having a wall full of papers, but they have like pretty much minimal experience as far as being coaches out there. How many people come to them and ask them, like, oh, who are you certified with on the first time that they ever call them up and say, hey, I need a trainer? No, what they're looking sure. for is results and how can you get me there as soon as possible. And in the yeah. education system, I think we also mentioned this in the last show, you have a lot of folks who are just career students. They're going after paper after paper after paper, these different degrees. They have three bachelors, two masters, and a Ph.D., and now they're working on their next Ph.D., yet they have yet to get out in the field. So sure. I think I have to ask you, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like – Today, there's, there's so much emphasis on sitting in the classroom and taking this class, and most of these classes are very unnecessary, especially when you have not even qualified like, what, what the student wants to do with his life. You're saying, hey, you must take these in the first 30 hours or the first two years, focus on these core things right here, and a lot of them have nothing to do with anything. And oh, yeah. they spend so much time in the class that they don't get out in the field. It makes, by the time they graduate, which is usually, if they're lucky, two years after spending two years on all those core programs and two years actually in their major, they're not equipped to get out there and get into the field that they actually majored in. Jason, yeah. let me jump in with something real quick because I just want to – a couple of things came up as Sincere's talking and yeah. bringing up some great points. Here, here's a couple of caveats that, uh, that I want to address. You know, I, I've met a lot of people who don't have college education, and one thing that most of them have in common is very lack of critical thinking skills. And what I mean by that is they tend to be way more impulsive. They don't go through the information as thoroughly as they should, and they tend to make these common mistakes over and over again. I mean, this is, this is a common thread I've seen with a lot of people who don't have college educations. In fact, I can tell whether someone has a college education or not just by the lack of this critical thinking. So it's somehow... I have a lot of reservations about the college education system as well. Don't get me wrong. I could go on forever. But this is just a common thread I see all the time. So I wanted to get your input on that. And then one more thing is I think one of the biggest mistakes people make with college is not the fact that they're going to college. is that they pick majors that they feel are practical. Like someone tells them, no, don't major in religious studies. You're never going to be able to do anything with that. Don't major in sociology. Don't major in this. When, but, when what they should realize is that it doesn't fucking matter what you major in. Okay, get your degree because what you're learning is the skill set of learning. I mean, of course, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, it means more. But even there, you know, your bachelor's, you can, you can go in whatever direction you want after that. But I think the mistake a lot of people make is they don't go with what they actually are interested in. Like I majored in religious studies, and everybody told me from my parents to friends, et cetera, you're not going to be able to do it. What are you going to do with that? You're not going to be able to get a job, this, that, and so forth. But frankly, I wasn't a good college student until I picked religious studies. I went from just barely getting by to dean's list every semester without trying. I didn't care about grades. I wasn't chasing it. It was just a side effect of what I really enjoyed. Then when I graduated from college, I got sucked into listening to practical advice from others. Go get a job. Go do this. Go do that. Instead of getting into the industry I'm in now, which I really wanted to do, actually, after I graduated from school, and as a result, again, I just had this mediocre existence, wasn't excited about anything, wasn't passionate about anything. As a result, I wasn't that good at what I was doing job-wise. 
And that actually is a, is a liability right there. You know, one of our previous guests, Robert Green, mentioned that if you don't pursue your passion, that's more of a liability than taking the practical path because you're not going to put in the effort to stay competitive, to right. be an expert in your industry. And he's really correct about that. So, I mean, his advice to people is, you know, find out what you're excited about and find a way to monetize that. So I, I think the biggest mistake a lot of college students make is they pick business, they pick accounting, they pick they just economics, what they feel are going to be practical majors, which really are not because those, those majors don't make you qualify for anything. You know, you know, no one who runs a business is going to hire some kid straight out of college who doesn't have any experience in the field, as Sincere was mentioning. So just wanted to get your whole take on this. Yeah, I, I, you know, um, yeah, it's a topic that I could tell if both you guys are really passionate about this. So I'm <laughs> making, making some notes about this because – Yeah, I threw that F-bomb in we, there just to emphasize that. <laughs> yeah, no, so, so I have a, I have yeah. a, trust me, I have a kid in college, so I have a financial stake in this topic, okay? Yeah, you know, it's a, uh, you, know I, you, you raise good points, and they're actually different points that you both raise, even on, and we're all, we all agree here. Um, and I think that there's a couple of, of points here, so let's just go a couple of them. So, um, Mike, you had mentioned, yeah, that the whole idea of the students, that they, they don't realize um, that religious studies, you know, in my case, I, I was a business major as an undergrad. If I looked at it again, I would have majored in kinesiology or something, but I didn't know where the, uh, the end result would have been. Uh, I loved right, right. love a lot of stuff, but oh, major in, in management information systems because that, you know, all the consulting jobs are there. Well, you know what? I got that consulting job, and I was laid off in five months. So um, learn my lesson real quick, and I didn't, I didn't know anything even, too. So um, a lot of life is, is learning those lessons and going back, mm-hmm. and I spend a lot of time even telling my business major students that, you know, you, know, you got to be smart. Um, and so, you know, you raised that good point, and it's interesting because Sincere's point, in some ways, might have sounded like it contradicted what you said, where it said a lot of students are, are majoring stuff that, you know, isn't practical. There's a lot of confusion in terms of what the college degree really is for. And depending on how far back you want to go historically, you want to go maybe, let's go say, turn of the 20th century. College, in a lot of ways, was a, was a playground for rich kids. Uh, and everybody else went and worked in, you know, in factories and, and agriculture and all that. And it wasn't, there were only a select few people who went to college. And then we start moving forward. Possibly some people attribute this to the GI Bill, where there was a lot of money thrown back to World War II um, veterans to, to go back to college to better themselves. Um, there are other people who look at it, you know, the student loans and the, the free money to go to college. One way or another, we had a large influx of, of people going to college who demanded college to be something different. They want, they, it became, oh, well, look, so everyone who has a college degree makes more than people without. So college didn't want to turn away all these students. And so they became, sure, come on board and we'll, get to, you know, we'll, we'll help you make more money. But as, uh, you know, as you guys both mentioned, the problem is, though, professors, a lot of the professors who are teaching these courses, especially courses that sound vocational, the professors don't have any experience in this. Right. I, I, I teach right. a class. I teach, I remember the first thing that I taught was negotiation. And I taught this when I was, uh, let's see, 26 years old. I had no uh, experience whatsoever in negotiation, but hell, I'm a doctoral student and they only had to pay me a couple thousand dollars to teach the course, and so I'm, you know, I'm easy money for them. They throw me in front of 50 people here, teach negotiation. And so these are people who are going to school to, to really better themselves, and, and here's me, and, you know, I, I do what I do because I, I know how to go in front of a group of people and engage them and figure out very quickly what's going on and, and to mold to them. Um, but, but that wash, rinse, and repeat is you know, something that you guys will relate to. You go to a lot of these business schools, they got classes upon classes in entrepreneurship. 
So, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, the last thing I would do is, you know, if, if I was starting a business, I'm probably not going to go, you know what, let me first go to college to learn how to do that. And so that's, it's not, and so there's a, people are looking too career focused at colleges and colleges don't want to, don't want to tell students that, hey, you know, at some point, you know, you got you, you got to be smart. Being smart is what's going to get you a career, not this, right. not just having the, the piece of paper on the wall. Uh, yeah. And that's why the, the interesting thing is that, Mike, what you brought up, that you could tell someone who doesn't have a college degree because of the, the critical thinking, the, the devil's advocate to that would be those people, there are people who college didn't give them the critical thinking, but they figured that because they were smart that they should go to college. Right, and I right. Think there's a, there, and you're, but you're absolutely right. There are, you know, I'm a big proponent of, of we need more well, tasks for eight Yeah, here's, here's just what I mean you by know, that, just to clarify, yeah. is that, you know, when I, when I went to, when I, when I, when I, in high school, I mean, you would turn in a paper and you'd get a little bit yeah. of feedback and then you would get a, you, you would get a B or A pretty easily. It wasn't that difficult to do fairly well in high school. When wow. I got to college, though, especially when I worked on my senior thesis, I mean, okay. I, would, I would turn in a chapter and my professor, the whole thing would come back completely red. Because my oh. professor would be like, you need to explain this point more. This is inconsistent. You're not, this doesn't make any sense. This is redundant. You know, I mean, he would tear this thing apart. So you had to get so good at expressing uh-huh. yourself in an effective way. And I really think that was very critical skill set that I developed that helped me with writing my book, writing articles and so forth, because you learn how to communicate way better. At least I did with my college degree. I went to the College of Worcester, a liberal arts college. So, oh, I mean, excellent. that's... Yes, I mean, so those, I mean, because I'm very critical of college, too, because one of the, the negatives for college for me were I got my degree, and then you're just thrown out in the woods. You have no clue how to go any further. How am I going to get a good job? How do you ace a job interview? How do you put together an effective resume? You know, all those things were not taught at all. How to do a tax return? You know, all these practical skills that you would think a 22-year-old graduate with, with a degree should know, but you don't know any of that stuff. So yeah, I think that, that's my big criticism of college is that there's, there's, it doesn't really help you transition to the real world. In fact, it makes you almost a victim of the system where now you're institutionalized. All you know how to do is be a student and maybe go on to be a teacher. <laughs> you know yeah, what? I, 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 I can I just add something to that? Yeah. I think on the flip side of that, Mike, it, I think it also comes down to the school that you went to is very right, right, individual right. because I can honestly say, and I, I, any of my friends who listen to this show that went to Henderson High School with me, the same way you described the way the professor just bled all over your paper and expected the best from you is pretty much like our teachers were in high school. It oh, was wow. almost a point. Maybe it's because I wasn't in a big city where they yeah. pretty much is overpopulated and the schools overpopulated. And you got to get, you know, butts in seats and get butts out of seats so the next set of butts can sit in that seat and so yeah. that school can continue to get money. Um, so I will say that I was fortunate to be in a smaller school district where, you know, I had a graduating class of 254 people. So it was, we had a little bit more time focused on us, the students, and they could put more time into individuals because they didn't have an influx of students coming in all the time, thousands upon thousands each semester. So right. I can say from my experience, actually, honestly, compared to when I graduated from high school and when I, my first college that I went to was University of Houston, which is a pretty big university. I want to say I probably got a lot more as far as, resources and, and skills from high school than what I got at University of Houston until I transferred. Now, I went there for psychology, and just from the skills that I picked up from high school, 
pretty much made it where I could pretty much hold my own and not have to be so dependent or really could care less if that professor is really paying attention or not or really paying attention to detail in my paper. I had this sense of pride and this sense of hard work and this ethic of really getting down deep whenever I had a, a project or had an assignment to get down to it and not just try to skate by. Now, of course, I had people in my class when I was a freshman in college and sophomore in college who didn't have that skill set necessarily or utilize that skill set. It probably came from the same situation that you came from, Mike, high school-wise. A lot of them from the big city. A lot of them were, like, from Dallas and Houston and, and New York and L.A., big, big school districts. So right. they didn't necessarily have the opportunity school-wise, education-wise, like I did coming out of high school. So I saw a lot of them really fail at that. But it did help me when I transferred to Texas Southern where I majored in radio and television. First of all, I majored in two different majors that I really were interested in. So I, I was fortunate enough to do that and not major in something I could care less about. One thing about it, radio and television is something I always did. I did it during high school. So my, my, the object that I had to go into University of Houston, first off the bat, was let me try something that I really, I'm interested in that I haven't done yet. And that's why I went with psychology. And a little bit, you know, as I got older, I realized radio and television and psychology, pretty much the same thing. One actually makes you really, really crazy. And the other one diagnoses how crazy you are after the fact. Yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> just to kind of also piggyback on what Jason said, as far as going to college for entrepreneurship, that right there is an oxymoron in itself. Right, because right. My thing is, if you're trying to be an entrepreneur, if you're setting out to be an entrepreneur, you would do better to actually find a mentor in the field, in the business in which you would like to go into than to sit in a classroom and listen to a professor who's working for someone nine times out of ten, probably doesn't have their own business, trying to tell you how to run your own business. No doubt. I think, I think the big thing with college, guys, is that people uh, – I think a lot of people go to college out of fear. They feel that if they don't get the degree – Either as a fallback option or, yeah, just from a society standpoint, it's like, oh, you're not as good as the rest of us because you don't have a degree. Remember right. remember, remember Ashley Borden, sincere, our guest yeah. early in the show? I mean, she yeah. talked about how she was very insecure about not having a college degree for a long time. And mm-hmm. she's a sharp lady. She's a great trainer, a very good communicator. And I, I got the impression that even now with all of her success, a part of her still feels like she's not complete because of not having that college degree. And I think that's because of the societal pressure that we all experience is that you don't go to college, you're going to be a loser. You don't go to college, your, your, your income is going to, your, your median income is going to be this much lower than someone who does. But at the, at the same time, if we're, if we're looking at stats out there, you know, unemployment is about 10% in mm-hmm. many states, such as Las Vegas, Michigan, it's across the country. It's, it's not much lower than that. But it, among people with a college degree, it's actually less than half of that. It's more like 4%. So what do you think about that, Jason, and, and just some of the other points that we both brought up? Right. Sure. Um, well, let's, we can almost work backwards. Okay. About the, uh, the unemployment rate, there's a there's an easy – we can give a, a little mini economics lesson to the listeners here about this. So they always talk about <laughs> the average uh, unemployment rate, the average um, salary that a college graduate makes versus a non-college graduate. Now there's a, in economics, there's a difference between average and, and marginal. And right. so when we're looking at mm-hmm. it, it, does, it doesn't – just because the average is true doesn't mean that something is true on the margin. So just because everybody who makes more money – um, just because there's an average, on average, people make more money going to college doesn't mean that the next uh, 18-year-old you see should go to college. And, right, and, that's, the, right. and that's, that's kind of the big uh, stat that nobody wants to talk about because it's, for, every, you know, for everyone who makes more, there are, there are people who make less, and, and they don't always account for number one student loans. 
I mean, so right. it's a big deal if someone makes $10,000 more than someone who didn't go to college. The average student loan is $26,000. Right, right. Great point. With Google of, of people who went to private schools and borrowed $80,000, $100,000 just to, to, to do what? You know, to major right. in something mm-hmm. that will never return that. And yeah. that, that's, yeah. that's a whole bag of worms that we're going to see in the news. Uh, it's, not, it's not pretty. It's gonna, politics is going to cut into it. And it's already starting when you see, uh, you can see sob stories of people who, oh, my God, I borrowed $250,000 to major in, in film studies at some liberal <laughs> college. What did I do? And it's it's actually pretty – it's worse than that. You want to talk about um, the the opposite of, of entrepreneurship. People borrow this, this money, and one of the problems with student loans, especially at the undergraduate level, is that you don't have to pay anything on them until you decide to either leave school or graduate. So exactly. that's just kind of out there in no man's land. It's, oh, I'll just pay it back when I get out. And, and right. that's just awful. And those people are applying to work at banks. So that's yeah. wonderful. Um, and so so we have that going for us. Um, it, it's It's very – you know the other thing, Mike, you had mentioned too about the um, the idea of you, know, you, you do a lot of studying in college, but as far as the resumes and all that, uh, yeah, that, that's I, I will say that that that's the knock on when you you know go to a a good college, good liberal arts college for people where people actually learn. Uh, but there's a book out there that I actually use. The book is actually called Managers, Not MBAs. It's by a professor named Henry Mintzberg. The first, especially the first half of the book, is great for you want to read a professor who rips apart colleges. And he gives a little anecdote about coming across uh, an engineer. Um, and this guy's a strategy professor talking to an engineer. And he said that I, he tells the engineer, I can teach everything you need to know about strategy in a day, but you can't teach me everything about a motorcycle engine in a day. And, right. and that's a lot of, uh, I would much rather somebody come out of college wanting to learn and, and intellectually curious. Let's face it, there are a lot of people who graduate college. You guys mentioned the papers on the wall and all that. A lot of people graduate college. I got my piece of paper. I don't ever want to do anything um, yeah. because they got their degree. I don't want to learn. I just want to sit back, play video games, and watch Sean Stewart all the time. Um, right. I'm so <laughs> tired of all these pointless classes. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I give you another fitness analogy. Um, when I was going for my Ph.D., I studied Aikido in Philadelphia. And the black belts would always tell me, I never got to that level, but what they always said is once they achieve that level of black belt, that the other black belts, after hazing the hell of them, would say, uh, now it's time to really start studying Aikido. And I, yeah. I see the, the reverse. Yeah. Um, but once you get your college degree, now it's time to really start learning. And, and one of the things that I noticed, I, I really jumped out, I started listening to your guys' show, is you guys are both really, really bright. And I get the sense, and you even mentioned it, that you, know, you guys, you, you tell everyone to get a subscription to audible.com, which, which is fantastic. Uh, you, know, you guys are very well read. Um, and, and so I can tell that you guys love learning. And my concern is that a lot of people who graduate college, especially, you know, we have to clarify too, with college, there are, there's colleges, small liberal arts colleges, 3,000 students, small class sizes, and then there are big colleges, like Sincere mentioned University of Houston, which is, again, you know, you know great school and all that, um, but it, it's a different experience. Right, um, and so, right. And so there's a lot of that going on. So, you know, I kind of did a lot of talking. But, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, you guys come off as being really, really smart and well-educated. And anyone, you know, who listens to you guys talks you to aspire to that. That's what you want to be. You know, we're all around the same age. And, you know, you want to continually be intellectually curious. And, and I'm concerned colleges don't really care about that. No, you bring, up, you bring up a really good point there because especially with PhDs that I know is they, they don't want to learn anything ever again because <laughs> the process to get that PhD was 
was so difficult that they're like, all right, I'm done. I'm sick of reading a hundred books every four weeks and so forth. I mean, both of my parents are, both of my parents are PhDs, right? And Mm -hmm. so they're both highly intelligent people, but I mean, you want to teach them how to program the VCR to record a show, forget it. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I call, that's what I call college learnout instead of burnout. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't, they don't want to learn anything ever. Just learn out, man. I I don't want to learn anything else. Just. Wait, my, mom, my mother my likes watching his shows, but, I, but it's, I mean, both of them, they, they still like learning certain things, but a lot of PhDs I know, I mean, they, that's it, man. They're done. They just want to repeat what they learned 30 years ago, but in terms of picking up new skills, I, I think that's the, the, the negative side for, for a lot of, I think you know why that happens, Jason, is because, yeah. I mean, you spent four years majoring in something you could care less about. So now you associate the process of learning with something that's not enjoyable while Sure. And I always did, too, all the way until college, until I started majoring in religious studies and I started learning about Sufism and Buddhism, Hinduism, et cetera. These were things that I was really interested in at the time. So I know, once, I, once I got into that, all of a sudden learning became something really interesting to me and something that I really enjoyed. Same thing with physical training. I always enjoyed reading books and watching videos and trying workouts, et cetera. So I think, I think the mistake a lot of people make is they don't pursue a passion and as a result, they grind through this major that they could care less about because they think it'll get them a job. And then they, from that point on, they just associate learning with something negative. Sure. Uh, and, you know, we can look at this. If we go back to one of the original points about um, just throwing that comparison to people um, just going to the gym and just doing a ton of exercises that are not worth it, one of, right. one of the problems that our education system builds is that you, know, you go through, let's say, 18 years of school and you were taken, there, there's no – there's no real path of studies. I, I know that I, I've had students, you know, students open up to me because I, you know, I, I'm real with them. I find that that's, you know, I, I see myself as a coach, you know, so it's something maybe we have a mm-hmm. little bit in common when we, when we teach. And, and so students open up to me, and a lot of them say, you know, I don't know what to tell my employers. I, I don't know what I'm learning. And because what they do is it, I, it's essentially going to college is like, you know, going either going to a buffet, you know, you just sample enough things, and then at the end you get your bill. Or, or yeah. it's, like doing, it's like doing your taxes. You know, check this box, check that box. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I'm done. Uh, and there's not really an organized path of study. And you know, I, I'm all for. I want them to have, you know study what you want. But the problem is, is just the students need help in integrating what they're studying. And the advantage, Mike, that you probably had at a school, at small liberal arts school, is that you had a smaller school. You probably religious studies too was probably nice about that was that it was probably one you didn't have large class sizes, so you got that personal attention. Uh, there's, I think I think the thing that helped the most, Jason, is that there weren't any attractive women on campus. So I didn't have any distractions. It was a lot easier to really focus on. Yeah, I wish I had that problem <laughs> during that time. Yeah. yeah, that was we had that majoring in uh, in MIS when I was an undergrad. You, you majored something technical, you, you know. It's a, you you had no choice but to study because there's nothing else to look around at, you know. But uh, that was when the internet was just internet was just coming out, so so we right, discovered right. some. Uh, some interesting, interesting things to look at. <laughs> I think it's interesting, Jason, that you said you see yourself more as a coach. And uh-huh. what we're talking about here, we're, okay, we're talking about college, and we're talking about how just the learning process is just learned out. There's really, there's really not much of an emphasis on making it interesting. And, and oh. something, cause let's, let's take it back. When we started kindergarten, first grade, all, probably all the way up until the first year of middle school, most of the time, those teachers, in, at least I can speak from experience, they made learning fun. They, even, they took it upon themselves to make learning fun. Then, 
so things like when you get right around middle school or high school, this is where school no longer becomes school. It becomes a business. It becomes, hey, we need to get state funding. Again, let's get the butts in the seats, get the butts out of the seats. So we don't have time for you to try to make this fun. We need to hear them get the student out of here, pass them, move them on so the next one come in so we can get more funding. At least I see a lot of that happening here in Texas. So, yes. so what happens here is just we don't have – this emphasis on fun. I mean, even when our parents were teaching us just ABCs and all this other stuff, we comprehended things a lot better when there was some form of just interest and fun and just something to make us associate, okay, I can associate learning this with hearing this or seeing this. This, Well, there's a reason why Sesame Street is still around after all these years for a lot of kids because there was an emphasis on fun with this learning process. Even if we talk about just training, even with training, just to go in and do a mundane workout, eventually somebody's going to get bored, especially if it's someone, like you said, that just goes in the gym and they're just kind of treating it like a buffet. Do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. And one of the things that Mike and I have seen just from our own experience as coaches, when someone sees Mike training with kettlebells in the fashion that he does, well, they're like, oh, dude looks like he's having fun. It was funny. I was just helping a friend teach a workshop, a private workshop this past weekend, and somebody brought up Mike throwing the kettlebells on the beach. And I had to sit there and think for a second, like, oh, wow, that was a, that was a long time ago. I forgot about that DVD. It was so long ago. So they were still talking about how that's what got them into kettlebells, by buying that DVD and Mike's on the beach throwing the kettlebells behind him on the beach, and he was having fun. On the flip side of that, a lot of my body weight stuff is very child-based, martial arts-based, a lot of animal-based type exercises, but they're fun. They're getting the job done. They're hitting all the core movements. They're hitting all the muscles that should be hit. But at the same time, it's fun, and especially because a lot of those things take people back to their childhood. So anyway, getting back to my point here, I think some of the issues we have is beyond college. It starts with middle school and high school where a lot of these teachers are seeing themselves just as this teacher. I need to go and do the curriculum, or they're not getting the freedom to be more than a teacher to these students, and they're not looking at themselves as a coach. And so what are your opinions on just today's teachers? It's funny because our friend Ali Sadiq, a few weeks back on the show, was saying you have a lot of teachers who are so young that become teachers, and they're not really focused on teaching these schools. They're too busy waiting on their modeling career or their singing career and teaching something for them to do in the meantime. Or you have some teachers who have been around forever, and they're so outdated. They've been teaching for 40, 50 years, and they're not really keeping up with the latest trends as far as these students that are coming in there today. So what are your opinions on today's teachers as far as them as being coaches or just simply just, quote, unquote, a teacher. Yeah, I mean, first of all, for anybody out there, when you find a good teacher or a good, or a good coach, just stay with them uh, because right. the, as sincere as you described, the system does, is not, it's not set up to produce good teachers. Uh, it's, just, it's just the way it is. You know, it's an economic question. They, they don't make a lot. You know, if teachers made $4 million a year to teach, you'd have the best teachers out there. It's just the way it is, but, but they don't. And so with... What happens at college, the, the unfortunate thing is that the people who go into education as a major, this is, again, this is a Googleable uh, thing. They, they have the lowest GPAs. They go into education because, hey, I got summers off and, and so on and so forth, and, <laughs> and it's fun. And, and that's very few. There are a lot of people, I shouldn't say very few, there are a lot of people who don't really know their topic all that well. They, they learn a lot of education theory. They pass their education classes, but at, they can do one plus one, but they can't do one plus two. And it's so we, we have we have that going, and so what I, I, every time I see that, when I hear that, I, I think it's one of you know we, we throw the word ethical around. I think it's mm-hmm. one of the most unethical things out there when a teacher really steals the time and the mind of a student. Every teacher who doesn't do what 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 Mike's professor did in college, which is grade 
papers with a fine tooth comb. I mean, you're robbing that student of, of just a, an intellectual gift. And it's, it, the students, believe it or not, they, they do want to learn if, if given the right opportunity. Sincere is describing, they are motivated to learn, but you get jaded long enough, you know, you just become that person who, who dreads, you know, going to the classroom, going to the gym. You know, I could just, yeah. I could just give you a little training analogy the, just to show you how the students really want to learn. I, I, love, I love working out at my college gym. And, uh, you know, we have, we got kettlebells there, and, and I like swinging them around. I, you know, yeah, Mike, you know, Mike's videos and Steve Maxwell's gym in Philly turned me on to kettlebells, and um, I love them. I love swinging them around, uh, and I do that in, uh, in my gym, and, and students will actually come up to me. They know me, and, I, and I'll show them you know, just the basics of a swing. Um, I, see the, I see students who um, they think they want to get big, and they go in there, and they squat, and the first thing you do is you, you see, and you probably see this as trainers, most people – need to do a bodyweight squat before they learn to squat with a barbell. So you see the, the heels picking up, the knees jutting forward. And, and I remember walking over to a student and just explaining to them, you know, how they, they'll be thankful in 50 years if they learn to, you know, put their, put their ass back and squat down properly. Right. And their eyes open up because you can tell there's something they really love learning. And you start yeah. doing that stuff in the classroom. You start really taking interest in individual students. How I did something yesterday in class. I uh, I, I teach a class where I teach people how to run training seminars. And I, had, I just give the students a task, get up in front and teach. And the students, the first time they do it, it isn't that good. And so I, I break them out of their shells by um, just having them do some, some activities. So what first thing I did, I take off my little tie and I, and I throw it to one of the students and I'm like, come on up here and show us how to tie a tie. Don't, don't lecture us. And they instantly became coaches. Uh, and ironically, there are people in, my, in the class who had no idea how to tie a tie. And so we had this whole, I am, I'm a master of tangents, kind of like you guys like to do with your podcast. We just got on this whole 30-minute whole diatribe on, on tying ties. And so these students are interested. But, you know, the point that, I, you know, that I'm trying to make is just you got to, when students out there, whoever you are, find a mentor, find someone who will stimulate you. And, and you know, if I could give you a little, you know, hat tip to this podcast, this is the type of thing people listen to that will get you interested and will get you you know, thinking. I mean, 48 Laws of Power, is, it's a great book to read. It's just, yeah. it's so much better than what, you know, what passes for education nowadays, which is just $200 textbooks that yeah. say nothing. They're boring, yeah. boring as sin. Right. No, but, uh, Sincero, I like your point about how you know, just a lot of teachers are not that, they're just not that excited as presenters. And as a result, of course, no one's going to be interested. I mean, you could take the most interesting topic around and have someone give a really boring delivery and it's going to put everyone to sleep. And that makes me think of what my mentor in college who really got me into Eastern religions, and this was when I was at Lewis and Clark College, actually. I was away from Ohio for a year. Is I wasn't really interested in anything until I started taking his classes. And it wasn't just the material. It was his delivery. I mean, he was right. really passionate about it. He lived in all of these different countries. You know, when he learned about Sufism himself, he went and lived in the Middle East. And when he learned about Hinduism, he lived in India. When, you could just tell this guy was authentic. He didn't read right. a couple books one day and be like, oh, okay, this seems like something to teach. I mean, he was, and you can tell that what he learned really affected his whole philosophy about how to live as an individual and how to work, treat other people and how he wants to carry himself. So that was, that was a, it was almost like it wasn't even what he was saying. It was, it was the effect that what he had learned had on him was so right. transparent that made you excited about stuff. And I think we see the same thing in our industry when we see really good presenters who you can tell that what they're presenting is something that's had a profound beneficial effect on him or her. So we're all like, wow, let's get into that. And just like when I talk about hormone optimization and the effect it's had on me, it starts with the benefits I've experienced personally. And I think that's what 
legitimizes the whole thing to people listening. Not just I think it's I'm, funny. Not, I'm not some fat okay. fuck sitting up there talking about how, how to increase your sex drive and get lean and strong and so forth. You know? Right. It kind of reminds me, we, we can take in the popular culture here. It reminds me so much on Breaking Bad, like those first episodes when Walter White yeah. talking about chemistry. This dude is so – I'm going to be honest with you. Just watching him talk about chemistry maybe kind of wish like I paid a little bit more attention to chemistry in the very beginning. Because I was more into biology during high school. I love biology. I love just anything dealing with just, just the way the body works and just the chemical makeup of our body, not so much all the, chem, all the chemicals on the periodic you know, table or anything like that. Right. So, but to watch him portray this character who is so into it, and, and one quote out of all the seasons of watching that show, the one phrase that always stays in my mind is when he says, respect the chemistry. And that goes beyond so many things, just beyond just the science of chemistry. But even when we're in front of someone at a workshop, there's a chemistry there that we should be paying attention to. So right. it's just funny how those things stuck out. But anyway, just to see this guy so passionate, and then what ends up happening, probably before those kids came to his class, it's fiction on TV, but it's a representation of what's going on every day in real life. Sure. What's probably happening before they got to that class those kids probably went through five or six classes during the day of that eight-hour day of five or six other teachers who could give a rat's ass about what they were teaching. And since they didn't care, why should the kids care? So by the time they get to someone like Walter White or someone who represents Walter White in the world, by the time they get there and see this guy excited, they're not, they're not buying it anymore or they're so worn out because now going to school has become a job for kids. These kids are in school just as long as most people are at work, eight hours a day. You're sitting there eight hours a day, and most of the people that you're with are not excited about that. You're not going to be excited. So what was happening here, you're prepping them for the real world, little do you know, because that's what usually happens to a lot of folks when they get out to the real world and get a job. They spend eight hours a day around people who give a rat's ass about their job, and so eventually they stop caring, even if they right. were excited about it at one time. So it's almost like you're indoctrinating them right now. You're already setting them up, and, like, this is what it's going to be like when you get out of school. We're teaching kinda you like, the real like world. You have, yeah, you have to numb yourself to, to exist <laughs> yeah. like that. When you think about it, like, I mean, just imagine the idea of majoring, going to college and, and learning something you could care less about, and then you go get a job that you could care less about just to pay the bills. I mean, how do you how do you deal with the the mundane of that day in day out for years, twenty years, thirty years, you know, forty years at the job you can't stand? I mean, you have to basically make yourself numb, and you don't care right. anymore, and just go through that. And that's such a horrible way to live. And exactly. I think what's happening now with the internet and the proliferation of information is that people are realizing that they don't have to buy into that anymore. And that's why we see more and more. I think there's more entrepreneurs now than probably ever because there's so many more opportunities to be an entrepreneur. So I think, I think this process of getting away from the college paradigm of you have to do this, otherwise you're screwed, I, don't think, I think people are realizing that they're just, they're just not buying into it as much anymore because, I mean, you could be a, you could be a high school senior now and develop a business and have it successful by the time you graduate and then just transition right into that. I mean, theoretically, right. not, not only is that possible theoretically, but in the real world, we see that kind of stuff happen all the time. And we see people drop out of college because they come up with an idea and say, you know what, I don't even waste my time for three more years here. I'm going to go execute that idea right now. Bam, jump right into it. Jason, I'm curious if you read a book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. It's, a, it's basically, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that are, there's a lot of wisdom in it, but one of the things it talks about is how we have purposely made our existence more complicated to delay the amount of people going into the workforce. 
So in other oh, words, yeah. if everyone started going into the workforce when they were 14, it would be too many people out there, and there wouldn't be enough jobs to go around. So the goal yeah, is to I, just keep, keep people in the education system longer and longer and longer <laughs> so that there's less people going into the workforce. Yeah, th- there's a belief that uh, in a lot of ways the college is really – and we look at college, I mean, you could even look at high school. It's, it's just a big warehouse of young adults, you know, or it's just a, it's just a, kid, it's a big kindergarten. And that's mm-hmm. – it's unfortunate because they're – it's you really stagnate and develop a lot of bad habits. And that's what, Mike, you know, you're talking about with how, you know, basically getting to pop culture. I mean, there's no better depiction of work life than office space, especially the first 45 right. minutes. Of that. Yeah, right. 45 right. minutes of that movie. I mean, it's a, it's it's just fantastic. And uh, there's, there's another uh, lesser-known movie that kind of rips college up. It's called Accepted. It's a guy like Justin Long and uh, Louis Black is in it where the – there's, uh, the beginning of it is Justin Long doesn't want to go to college, and he has this whole comedic uh, parents trying to force him to college. And, and so instead of going to college because he couldn't get in anywhere, he creates his own fake college and has Lewis Black as the dean. And it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's well worth watching, you know, if you have low expectations. Pretty good movie just for, just for that, that level of entertainment. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, everything that you're saying is just so valid that uh, there – the new where you know the new thing to do is yeah at 18 you know start developing a business. This is an easy fact to look up. The guy who started PayPal, Peter Thiel, yeah. he created a, something where he got I think 20 of the brightest, and he, he paid them money to not go to college to develop an idea. And and you're starting to see some things come right. out of that. I mean, ironically, right. if you think about it, all the money that people borrow to go to college, you know. Unlimited money, twenty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars. If people could just take half of that and not go to college, we'd have a lot of good ideas out there. But right. but instead, pe- people take it and uh, they, they don't they don't realize what they're doing. Um, another point that just I I, I don't want to lose is you know you talked about the, the bad teachers and someone out there is probably thinking, well, why in the world don't these teachers get fired? Right? How do you how do we get away? You know, we we've come we've just been used to oh we got this bad teacher. I mean. Everybody looks back on their their K through 12 and their colleges, and it's just we take it for granted when we have a bad teacher. You know, so and so falls asleep, so and so gets chalk <laughs> on their ass, picks their nose, all this stuff. We don't care, right? But the, uh, we, we're just used to it. But why can't they? Why can't they get? Why don't they get fired? And it's it's a very very the first easy answer is well tenure, right? So no, I was about to say there's this dangerous word called tenure, which which also carries over to our government too. So right. look how that's oh, working out for us. <laughs> right, and you know, you know, what's funny is that I, I always, I agree, and you know, someone who's on the tenure track, and this is the career that I right now I'm pursuing, you know, I certainly, don't, I don't, I have, I'm kind of agnostic to the idea of tenure because when someone says, well, we could just throw it out because it's some archaic thing that came about in 1915 to for academic freedom, the problem is if we just get rid of tenure right now, no school knows how to evaluate itself properly. All the high schools, all they do is, you were mentioning, kind of the teach to the test. That you know, if uh, if you could just associate Thomas Jefferson with Monticello, that's all you need to know about Thomas Jefferson. You know, right. and if you know Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president, you're golden. Um, but th- that's you'll just get more of that if you get rid of tenure because people will seek metrics to evaluate themselves. Nobody really right. knows how to evaluate teaching because you can't. It's an art, um, and so that that's kind of that that conundrum. But what's beautiful is what what you guys are mentioning. Yeah, I mean, between TED Talks, iTunes U, Khan Academy, YouTube, podcasts, there's a great 
you know, vast amount of resources. I don't want to call it free because you've got to have an Internet connection and a smartphone or computer, but you can get really, really smart without really stepping foot in a classroom, and then you decide whether or not you need that piece of paper. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up because you have Harvard and MIT. They now have free courses online pretty yeah. much on any topic you can choose, and you don't have to sit there and pay thousands of dollars to go to college for a semester and wait two years to actually go into those topics and learn about them. And so here are like two of the quote-unquote top universities in the world right here offering these courses for free. Right. Yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. And, they're, they're, and the, the beauty of it is if you look at those classes that you had mentioned about wanting to learn, you look at that, you know, the, the, I think MIT, it's like MITx, and you know, yeah. MITU has all of the Harvard, and I think there's uh, Stanford does it, and, you know, or no matter where you go. If the, cl- the lectures themselves, some of them aren't all, you know, that engaging. If you were to just say, oh, well, you know, compare it to, uh, you, you know, a stand-up routine. But if you want to learn something, they're all done really, really well. You want to learn chemistry. You want to learn American history. You want to learn something about Buddhism. There are just well-organized courses on there that, that you could take at your own convenience. And I mean, that's, you know, talk about it. I mean, that's really an entrepreneurial idea, just, just waiting to be tapped. I mean, in, in right. some ways it's already, it's already there, but, I mean, if you could, someone can put together the best of those courses and package it, I mean, the, the, there's endless ways that you can do that. Um, and, and so the, the, the college model, unfortunately, a lot of, they're, they're kind of, you know, I mentioned the politics of it. Yeah, they're, there's a lot of protection going on there, trying to protect the system the way it is and you know, build more buildings and get more money. And it's, uh, eventually, th- there's not an endless supply of money that, that we're finding out. Uh, and yeah. colleges, I think that you're going to start seeing some colleges having to lay off people, even tenured faculty. I think there's, you could, there are a couple of schools recently that well, are starting to consider laying uh, off honestly, uh, honestly, I think colleges should lay off a lot of people. And, and I don't necessarily yeah. mean professors, but at the school yeah. I went to, the College of Worcester, there were so many people there that they, they were just there to, to – as to, to point directions. In other words, you would walk into an office and say, look, I need to get this form taken care of. And then that person would say, okay, go over here. I was like, well, what's your job? Because someone just, someone just sent me here to have you take care of it. Now you're telling me I need to go over here. And there were, there were so many of these just kind of middle positions that were worthless. In other words, yes. in other words one person could easily do five persons' jobs instead of five people having to be hired and, and money being wasted on those five people. Kind of like customer quite, service for AT&T now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they were like, well, we'll send you over right. to our, this department. Well, no, right. you should be calling this department. I'm like, no, they told me I should call you. No, I, I don't think, know why they told you that. I think that. a lot of reasons why companies fold, Sincere, it's because of stuff like that. It's, it's yeah. You're hiring. You have all this money coming in and at, at some point in the business as it's built, so you start hiring all of these different people in order to do something with that money, and now you have all of this wasted talent. And we see a lot of people in our industry who do that. They they try to promote courses, and they have someone take care of that for them. And then they have a website, and someone runs all that for them. And that's all fine and good, but they're only making 20000 a year. Yeah, I, I can see <laughs> you're like a big powerhouse company guy. Yeah. You know, and you, you, let's just say, for example, you are someone like a you – know, I even have, hate to even bring them up – a Bob Harper or a Jillian Michaels, you know, where you're kind of like – you're all over the place. Then, of course, you can see where – or even Tony Horton or somebody like that. Then, right. yeah, when you're pretty much – you are just, just a brand – for the most part, and you need these people to do all this stuff for you, so, and you're just this face, then yeah, but most of these folks in our industry, they're not the face. They're, they're, they're lucky if they can get 10, 15 people into a workshop consistently. So, yeah. so to sit there and outsource to all these different people to do your website, to do your blog post, to 
go out there and do the registrations for your workshop, to call people up and try to set up a workshop, and while you sit on your ass and just wait for the for the go-ahead from all these people, dude, you're doing it wrong. Uh, I mean, people – And people, you're going to be broke. People think I have a whole team of people Sales that work for me. Yeah, no, they do. People think that I, they just look at my websites and, and all the workshops I've done and products and so forth. They're like, man, you know, how many employees do you have and are you hiring? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't have any employees, number one, and I'm never going to hire, so I don't want to deal with that. But I mean, yeah, I outsource stuff such as I have a fulfillment company that takes care of my orders. You know, I'm not running to the post office to deliver a DVD or a testosterone booster. I mean, early in my career, I did that when I didn't have a budget. And then I outsource website, major website updates and things like that. But for the most part, you know, I run this whole thing. And it, it, that's one of the reasons why I make a great income is because I don't blow a lot of money on unnecessary expenditures. Right. So I, I think there's something to be said now with technology. You can leverage so many things in your favor that you, you don't have to have this whole team of people taking care of stuff anymore. Yeah, right. you, know, you raise a great point about about that and how you're running your business. I, I think of what you know what I almost what I experience a lot of times when I talk to students about what they want to do when they graduate, and you know, I just want them to you know, first of all I want them to be all happy and, and successful whatever they choose to be successful. So whether they want to start a business or work for someone, you know, in the end I want them to be happy. But I think right. a lot of them don't even understand that the, you know, I use a kind of a little fill in the blank, which is I, I have a college degree now, so I shouldn't have to blank. And, and right. I push them right. because they think that it's beneath them to, okay, I graduated college, I should come out making, you know, pull, put your five-figure salary in the blank. I mean, right. and that's fine. You know, you should make that. But I, I always give the, the story to students that I call it the, uh, my dry cleaners theory. That if you want to open up a, a, dry, a successful dry cleaners, um, well, what's the first thing you got to do? Well, hopefully you've worked in one so you understand how they work. Right. But if you if you do that, can you look your family in the eye on Thanksgiving dinner after you graduate college and tell them that you're working for eight bucks an hour in a dry cleaner because you're learning the business and you hope to own one one day? And, and the whole the college system doesn't unfortunately promote that. It's they, they promote well, you want to work for a company that has a cool logo for your laptop bag. And you have a lot of people who come out wanting, you know, expecting to have, well, make $45,000 a year in some corporate job. And you could have, you know, a great career, 25, 30 years, those types of jobs, whether it's the same company or not. But it, it doesn't, there's so many people who learn, you know, they, they want to learn a business. They should learn a business. And they should leave college, you know, it's the way Mike describes. You're college, you're smart, you've learned to think. Now here's the world, you know, go learn a business. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, when you're taught by, uh, is my frustration that you know you, you're taught by people who've never really done that. The students love yeah, professors that, who are entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good entitled, example. That whole notion of entitlement is, I mean, sincere and I talk about that all the time. And I'll, I'll stop right there, sincere, because I know you're about to make a point. No, I was about to say a, a good example of that is myself. I end up once I got to Texas Southern. The funny thing, and I've talked to Mike about this point. I think I may have mentioned it on the show previously, but what ended up happening. I was working in an industry that I was going to school for. And what ended up happening is that I started to climb up the ladder in the, in the music industry on the marketing promotion side of things, and I was always traveling. My income was far better than any college graduate at that time. And what would end up happening, I, just, I would end up missing so many classes because I was always traveling, which I was enjoying because I was in a field that I truly, truly loved, which made coming back to school, whenever I would come back, going to class, Basically, what would end up happening, our professors would end up having 
myself and one of my best friends who's also in the music industry working as a producer and also doing marketing promotions, every time we would come back from a trip, she would have us come to the front of the class to talk about our experiences or whatever the topic of the day was. She would ask us to come up and to share our experiences on that. And so it got to a point where I just said in the middle of class, I said, you know what? You keep calling me up here, I'm going to need a paycheck. I'm going to need you to just, just go ahead and hire me because I'm doing your job. Because I'm sharing my experiences, and you've been doing this for so long, you're not, you don't even have a clue what's going on out there. And I said, I don't think it's fair to keep asking us to come up here and talk about it without paying us. Well, right. suffice to say, we didn't get called on anymore. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is what ended up happening, instead of just trying to sit there and make up for all the classes that I ended up missing, it just hit me. I'm like, dude you're already making an income in this industry that, you should, that you're going to school for. And I think what really drove everything home for me is after one semester, a couple of the guys that were like top of the class, they had just graduated. And what ends up happening, these guys reach out to me and my friend and ask us for internships with our companies. So I'm like, didn't you just graduate? We had classes together and you just graduated and you're coming to us for an unpaid internship. They're like, yeah, but... You guys are out there doing it already. We've seen you guys the last couple of years. You're always out there doing everything that we were going to school for, and you're pretty successful at it. So we want to actually learn and get out there in the field. We'll pass out flyers. We'll put up POP and, and put up you know, all the displays in the record stores. We'll do all that for you for free just so we can learn how to do it. And I was thinking, like, okay, at that point, I'm like, why am I in school? Why am I giving up money for this madness, the money that I'm actually making to go here to get a degree so I can make this money that I'm already making. That's stupid. It's one of the reasons why I left, and that's when it really just hit me, like, okay, this, is, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever at this point. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> even though on, on a lighter note, I, I think about the, the entrepreneur student going back to school. I, I, there's, you know, we can't knock that for the average college student. No, it, it, college is fun. I mean, the oh, yeah. animal house and, and all that, I mean, it, it's fun. But, and so some people are like, well, I don't, I don't want to give up the uh, – the, the social life of college is the greatest four years of life. I met my wife. I hooked up a bunch. And, you know, I always think that, um, first of all, the, you want, the, the easiest way, you, you want to hook up at college, be the friend of a college student. Be the successful there you go. Be the friend of a college student. Go back to college as the rich guy at the bars and the party and, and, and drive a nice car. You won't have any problems. Um, but, you know, that's, that's another problem, too, though, that, that people look at college as the best years of their life. You know, that's, another right. thing. That, that's another one of my personal regrets because my father described college that way. And I went to college, and when I graduated, I was like, man, if that was the best time of my life, then I'm going to go jump off a cliff right now <laughs> because, because that, wasn't, that wasn't anywhere near as exciting as my life should be. And I'll tell you, you, wanna, you don't want to know what the best time of my life is. It's right now. And it's been oh, – yeah, exactly. that's, that's been my response to anyone who's asked the whole time I've done this business because now I get paid really well doing what I love. I fly all over the world meeting interesting people and talking about stuff that I'm interested in. You can't beat that. And then I, then I make a great passive income selling nutrition products that I've designed that I take personally and have benefited greatly from. I get testimonials every day about how these things have benefited people. I mean, there's no college doesn't compare to that. Kidding me? College? I was broke. I drove a car where passenger side door didn't even open. You know, my window didn't roll down. The car was oh, straight uh, half, if, if I went over 55, I was afraid the car was going to break in half. <laughs> you know, I, I lived in a room in a house that I could barely afford in college. Worked at a worked at worked at a dive bar like the movie Roadhouse on the weekends to make money. 
I mean, that wasn't even close to being the best time of my life. So it's, that's the other thing that, that kind of scares me about people is when they talk about, oh, code was so much fun. I was hooking up with all these girls. I was doing this, no real responsibility. I was like, come on, man. You can make your life a hell of a lot better than that once you get out there and have resources and pursue something you really want to do. Man, don't get us wrong, folks. Out of all those things that Mike just said, which could be perceived as the worst days of his life, it opened doors for where he is now. Because That's of those true. experiences, because he realized, like, okay, this sucks. This car sucks, <laughs> you know, and, and, and this job sucks. So I want something different. I don't like this. I'm going to do something different. Also, we always talk about this. When things are going great, it's really not the best environment to learn. Because when everything is going great, then you're not going through any struggle. You take it for granted. But when you go through those, those not-so-optimal situations, hopefully that's when you become the most creative and that's when you're a little bit more aware, like, okay, how can I make sure this never happens again? How can I make sure I'm not stuck here riding around in this hoopty and working this crappy job as a bouncer and dealing with these drunk buttholes every weekend? What can I do better? Don't underestimate hardship. And that's the beautiful thing about college because you are for most people. You are that's on your true. own. For most folks, your parents are not there to bail your ass out when you screw up. And you have to figure it out. And it kind of goes back to what Mike was saying. You can kind of tell those who've gone to college because the way they deal with situations like that and how they process those situations to get out of situations like that. Where well, I mean, I went through some hardships recently, too, since I mean, I, I sat behind a silent farter on the way to UK, 10-hour flight. <laughs> trip. And, then, and then on the way back, I got stuck next to this fat, bald guy who looked like the psycho in Human Centipede 2, number two. That movie. Human- <laughs> oh, wow. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get the creative juices, though, that, that I was supposed to get. I'm disappointed now. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm happy to... I'm- uh, just to let you know, uh, I, I'm not afraid to admit now that I'm not, there's one more person who watched saw Human Centipede 2. Okay? <laughs> I've never seen the movie or the first one, I'm happy to say. I've seen trailers for both. That's the only reason I can describe this, because <laughs> the, the idea of watching a movie about people whose faces are sewn to other people's asses didn't quite <laughs> Yeah, okay, so I'll backtrack. Am I watching I a horror know. movie or am I watching a, a okay, modern-day porno? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to backtrack. I just uh, leave it in. I just embarrassed myself in front of all your <laughs> listeners. So I, 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 I'm happy to. I, I, I'm self-deprecation is the best type of humor. So uh, well, you I'm, know, I'm sure you're watching it as part of a class preparation, Jason. I'm sure. I'm oh, yeah. I teach a class on teamwork, right? So yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, that's one way. <laughs> We're getting towards the end of our time with you. I was just curious if well, what are some of the positive things about the whole college experience that we can end with? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, the positive things is that, I mean, we just have to look at that, you know, let's face it, colleges are there, and they're, they're not going out of business anytime soon, and they are still, even with all of their flaws, they are great places to learn. I think that right. it, it's very difficult, you know, whenever when you're involved with something, you know, let's put it this way, when, when you're involved with something that um, – wronged you, you know, so if you had a bad experience at college, you're, you're going to carry that. As sincere, you, you guys both mentioned that it's something that makes you want to grow, and so you're naturally going to gravitate towards the bad in college. But, uh, you know, as it is right now, you, college is a great place to network. I mean, let's face it, very, very wealthy, smart, connected people do come to college campuses, and, uh, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to, to have that networking help, so let, let's not throw right. that away. Um, right. There's still, you know, you want to major in, in science, technology, medicine, 
um, even you know whatever whatever the state of medicine is at the current time, there's a lot of resources to help you out there. You know, I'm in Indiana, and you know we we're, we have a good engineering school even at our little University of Southern Indiana. Purdue is fantastic with that. So th there's tons of there's tons of opportunity there. Um, and with that said, I think that even though you bash college, there are still the majority of people right now are going to college. So right. what's re what's very very important is that 18 years old, you know, so at at 10, 12 years old, the parents have the chat with the kids. If they don't learn already, well, at 18 years old, there's another chat that you got to have, and that's why you're going to college. And the sooner you understand that, the more the student goes to college with eyes open, the better. That they, they understand is that the goal is to leave college more educated and thirsty. Uh, you know, and if you leave college uneducated and, and full, you know, you're going to become grandma's boy, and, and right. you just you don't right. you don't want that. And so. Uh, the one thing that I would tell everyone is that you know I can be very critical. You know I, I don't like to. I'm, I'm kind of modest with the stuff, but you, know, you can Google me, and I you know I did some blogging in the past. What's wrong with the state of higher ed? Um, but I, I'm at this time right now where I want to basically educate students, and I want to make college right. I want to make it a good experience, and and there are plenty of people out there who want to do that. And so don't don't short sell it. You, know, you just Make sure that you go into college with your eyes open. Do not go into debt. I think that's another yes. uh, important thing. So I'm kind of throwing a laundry list out there. But you know, if you leave you leave college educated, thirsty, and out of debt, you're going to set yourself up much better. Jason, what's what's your what's your advice to someone who may be on the fence about going to college in the sense that they don't know what they're going to they don't know what they want to study? Should someone go to college if they don't have any idea what they want to get into? Is that well, is that fine with you or should someone have a clear idea of what they want to get into before putting down the money and time? Well, it doesn't have to be an either or there. Um, right. Yeah, it helps, but take a year off. You know, do a, it's one of those things where I wish more schools had this idea of a gap year. And that was one of the right. first things I ever wrote on is that, you know, when you're 18 years old, take a year off. Work, right. to go to the military, go to the Peace Corps, travel Europe, do something, then go to college. The best right. students that I have are the ones I can tell who have actually been in the world and have come back. And so uh, I, now, do you, do you want to have a path? I mean, you, you could have the, your heart set on becoming a dentist. You take your first biology class, and then, you know, you're not a dentist anymore. And, right. and so I don't think – I wish I could say that there's a right answer to that, but what I would say is that at least, have, you know, have some form of a plan. You know, don't just go in there completely blind uh, you know, flunk out, and then you have no choice. You know, the, there was a joke that we had in, when I was an undergrad. You don't want to be in the square root club, and that's where the square root of your GPA is higher than your actual GPA. <laughs> so so for, all of your, for all of your math majors, right, if it's below, point, it's below one, you know, that's, that, there you go. But, the, uh, yeah, you know, for an 18-year-old, I just think it's, it's just very important to understand that college is not a ticket to riches. And right. that you have to be right. smart about your choices, and and you could be you could be successful both majoring in something technical, something that that does have a career end in mind, like accounting, or you could be very successful just you know just like Mike had mentioned, majoring in something like religious studies or philosophy or sociology, become really smart, and and then use that smart to make you successful. But at least understand that, and that's where I think that too many people are going in there. With the uh, you know I guess the the opposite with the closed mind, right. and I think you got you, you got to go into college with with the open mind. You know, read a, read Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, and then go to college.
Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great advice, man. We thanks, Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a great discussion, oh, no. man. Yeah. yeah, we'd love to have you back again sometime and get into some more things. But uh, yeah, where, can, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Well, you know, I'm, I'm in kind of southern Indiana, so if you want to come out to me, you got to, you know, drive out to the middle of nowhere and then make a left turn down the dirt road. But um, <laughs> if you uh, – it, it, honestly, I, I love to hear from people on this topic. You know, I'm I'm toying around with the idea of starting up a podcast on higher education issues. Yeah, um, you should. Yeah, if you want yeah. to, um, you know, if you want to reach me, the, you know, go right to my Gmail. It's it's my name, Jason So J A S O N dot F E R T I G at Gmail dot com. Um, I have a Twitter account. I wish I was more. I should be more active on it. It's Prof J F P R O F J A Y F. You know, I got a great name. I should use it more. Um, and again, I just I, I love I love this stuff. Um, I, I answer my emails all the time. Um, so you know, I'd love to whether we continue this or chat over email. Um, anybody wants to reach out to me, I promise I'll get back to you. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Jason. You have a great Thanks day. A lot, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. And that's our friend Jason Furtick. Great discussion with him. And we're actually working on a new format, folks. So what we're doing now is we're going to start splitting up the show so that. It's not a two-hour-plus two download that you're going to be accessing anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to have one episode per week with a guest, and we're going to try to limit those to about an hour and wrap it up. And then we'll have another episode where Sincere and I just go on whatever tangents we feel like going on. We'll have a topic of the day. Who knows? We know whatever we feel like doing. And that way we just break it up for you folks a little bit. Some people kind of get intimidated when they see two hours plus for an episode, and maybe they don't give it a chance when, if they just listen to it for a little bit, they'd love the episode. You're still going to get the same amount of material. We're just going to deliver it in a you know, skillful way so that we get more information out there and get more people listening to the show. As, as usual, keep the reviews coming in. We've got a ton of reviews coming in. We're, we're over 50 now, I believe. And yeah, we have, we have 50 on iTunes right now, but, we, you know, iTunes has a lot more in queue that they haven't released yet. Right, right. Yeah, but we, we get your emails, guys, and, you know, we've been hooking you guys up with our gift, with my lecture series and my digital copy of the Wellness Code. So keep those reviews coming in and let us know that you posted your review, and we'll continue to hook you guys up with those bonus materials. And a lot of times, iTunes doesn't necessarily move at the speed of your kindness. That's why I said yeah, you send a copy of email it to and, us. And don't, no fraud reviews, people, okay? Make yeah. sure it gets posted. Don't, don't make up a re- Don't tell us you wrote a review and you did it because it, hey, we, we will we, call you out. Well, we're going we're gonna to find you, and we're going to give you the worst atomic wedgie you've ever had in your <laughs> life. <laughs> we're going to show you how that double kettlebell snatch carries over to double wedgie form. Hey, and then we're going to make you watch <laughs> Human Centipede 2. And then we're going to make sure that you yourself understand what the whole yeah, yeah. attaching your head to someone's butt thing. No, I'm just kidding. You're going to have to watch that movie without a puke bag, you know, really torture. During, during, during a complimentary anal bleaching session from episode four. <laughs> you, know, you know what's crazy about that movie, and then I'll, I'll end before we go on another one-hour tangent, is that <laughs> I read a review of Human Centipede 2 when, I, when it was premiered here in Vegas, and of course it didn't premiere in a legit theater, just like some downtown dive where they probably show 1970s pornos Monday through Friday. <laughs> But anyway, they, they said that they had to put puke bags next to every chair. I mean, that's how disgusting the movie uh, And I, I just read some of the things that happened in the movie, and I was like, yeah. you know what? I could go my whole life and never see that movie <laughs> and, not, and, not, and not regret it one bit. You know? I'm good. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some things in life that you know, I don't have to experience that. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> 
Uh, don't forget our discount codes for you guys out there. 10% off of all my supplements when you hop over to his website. Use the coupon code LLA. Also 30% off of my DVD, my body weight DVD. Also using the same coupon code LLA. So those websites, MikeMaller.com, NewWarriorTraining.com. All right. Have a great one, folks. Right, take care, everybody.